Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is always a pleasure to be in your company, especially when I'm with Ray Lance and USA Wealth Group. Ray Lance, of course, is the wise money guy. Not the wise guy, but the wise money guy. <laughs> and it's always a delight. It really is. Thank you so much, Phil. I appreciate that. Good morning. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. We have a lot of people uh, all the time now telling us that they're listening to the show. We have new people coming into the office, and and uh, they heard us, and it's just always exciting when that happens. Money Wise Radio Show. You know, we recently celebrated uh, Valentine's Day, and um, that's always a happy occasion, despite all the snow that we've had. But today we're going to talk about why estate planning is more important for women and why the men who love them should care. So that's our topic for today. Whether you are married or single or in a same-sex relationship, estate planning and financial planning is often much more important for women than it is for men. And we're going to explain why and tell you a lot of information. But as we begin this morning, I'd like to say good Sunday morning to attorney Michael Coleman, who's here with us this morning. Mike, thank you for being with us. Good morning. Good to be here. Always a pleasure. You're not exactly a regular, but you're always welcome, and you're getting pretty close to being a regular, aren't oh, you? Oh, thank you. <laughs> so we're going to benefit from some of Mike's expertise this morning also, talking about why estate planning is more important for women. And I have to begin, as I always like to do, with a few quotations that I thought were particularly appropriate for this season. You know, March is coming up. Irish proverbs could be a nice substitution. Yes, it might <laughs> It might be. Well, right now we're going to start out with Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who said, Oh, the long and dreary winter. Oh, the cold and cruel winter. <laughs> I thought that was really nice for today. I love your emphasis. Beautiful. <laughs> and then William Shakespeare said, Winter tames man, woman, and beast. And then finally, Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote, Full knee-deep lies the winter snow. And the winter winds are wearily sighing. Goodness, so, this is this almost is classical. Poetic morning. I love it. But I would be remiss, Phil, and <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if we didn't start out with something from a very famous Greek philosopher whose name was Aristotle Onassis. <laughs> yeah. And Aristotle Onassis once said, if women didn't exist, all the money in the world would have no meaning. How romantic. So I guess he had both, didn't he? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, that's our Greek, our only Greek philosopher quotation for today. But I thought you'd like to hear that. But our topic is really kind of special today. It's why estate planning and financial planning is more important for women and why the men who love them should care. And as I said earlier, whether you're single, whether you're married, you're going to find something useful today, I think. And let's begin by talking about why do women live longer than men? Or why do men die earlier than women? The answer to that, I know, it's because they want to. (laughs) But uh, women do uh, have a much longer life expectancy than men. And a woman on average will live about seven years longer than a man. And in addition to that, uh, grooms who get married are still two to three years older than the bride. So the average American bride is likely to live 9.3 years longer than her husband. And in some parts of the country, that can actually be 15 years or longer. And 
for proof of that, all you have to do is visit any nursing home, and you'll find the population in almost any nursing home you'll see is probably 90 95% female. Interesting. Uh, they, they tend to live longer. Women tend to live longer. And it's an issue for uh, financial purposes. Uh, it's also an issue um, by uh, race. Uh, and we also have something in this country called a gender gap when it comes to making money and wages. It's, it's well known and well documented that women don't make as much money as men for exactly the same occupations. And I think over time that will get better, but right now it is seriously a problem. So women live on average seven, nine, ten years longer than men do, even if they're the same age. And so there's, there's not only a special responsibility to a man in a typical marriage situation to make sure that the woman who survives him uh, is going to be able to live comfortably and afford retirement, for example. But it has to be a major concern for every woman who's listening today as well. Uh, you need to make sure that when you're making decisions together as a couple, or if you're single, whether you're making decisions for yourself, where you might be making decisions for yourself, you need to make sure that your money is going to last for you and that appropriate decisions are being made. Uh, you're going to live longer for the most part, and you need to make sure that your money will last as long as you do. So we just said that women tend to earn less during their lives. When we talk today, we're going to be talking with that particular assumption in mind, uh, particularly because I'm going to mention a few things about very important social security decisions that men and women together need to make. We'll get to that a little bit later. And the other thing that we find in our society is that if you have a situation where there might be a divorce, most custodial parents are going to be the female, the woman in the relationship. So about 84% of custodial parents in this country are women and not men. Again, financial planning and legal planning documents are going to be very important. Um, women tend to make more and more the financial decisions in a household, but not always. Um, we have a situation in our own office right now where my secretary has a sister who lives in Florida, and her, the, the sister who lives in Florida has a son age 58 years old who just had a sudden massive coronary and died at the age of 58. And what he had decided to do, by the way, is he decided that he and his wife decided that nobody knows how long they're going to live. They didn't want to wait until age 62 or age 65, and he had an opportunity to retire at the age of 58, which he did, and they did. They moved to Florida. They were only there about a month. Uh, they moved there specifically to be closer to his mother, who was living in Florida. And this just happened this past week. Age 58, suddenly he's gone. So here's his widow now in Florida. She's also probably the same age or similar age. She now has a long life expectancy ahead of her. So it's real important to make sure that legal documents are in place uh, to protect a surviving spouse of whatever gender as well as making sure that financial decisions are going to be in place to support the surviving spouse. So pay gap in this country is not because of the jobs that are available. It's really because of a gender difference. There is a disparity. And just to give you a couple of examples, um, in doctors, uh, women physicians will typically make about 71% of what their counterpart male physician will make. 
Again, that gap is closing. Uh, for dentists, uh, a female dentist will make about 74% of what a male dentist will make. A physician's assistant, uh, and again, in the medical context, um, a woman will make about 82% of what her male counterpart will make. Teachers, uh, similar gaps. Um, construction managers, nurses fare a little bit better. They make about 89% of what a male nurse will make. So there is still a gender gap when it comes to wages. And therefore, if you're planning you're going to be on your own at some point in time, uh, you need to make sure that the most important financial decisions that can be made are there to protect you. Mike, we're going to turn to you for a moment and talk a little bit about some of the legal documents because we know um, that, what, only a third of the population has even done a will or an estate plan of any kind? Yeah, I think it's about 50% have some sort of a plan in place and about half of those have a will, half have a trust. Okay, so what are some of the things that women might need to do about estate planning, for example? Um, well, there are all th- sorts of things we can do. We can do wills. Um, there are certain documents that we think are essential. Those are the healthcare proxies, the healthcare documents, um, HIPAA authorizations, property powers of attorney, and those name agents and uh, attorneys in fact to make decisions on behalf of the person who signs them. And I suppose that with most married couples, you'll find that they'll typically name each other. Exactly right. So if one of the spouses has passed away already, uh, someone else would have to be named, perhaps a child or some other trusted individual. Mm-hmm. But I guess the, the rule number one should be real simple. Make sure you have some kind of an estate plan in place. Exactly. Because as we've talked about before here, um, the state has a plan for you. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts has a plan, the intestacy statute. So if you don't have a plan in place, then the state will essentially decide what happens when you pass. Now, I know a lot of people are probably um, put off by the word estate because most people say, well, I don't have an estate. You know, I have a house and I have a few assets. But in fact, everybody has an estate, don't they? Right. An estate is made up of bank accounts, uh, house, any retirement plans you might have, any personal property. So yes, everyone certainly has an estate. So everything you own really is part of your estate. So I guess... The message today would be, even if you think you don't have an estate, in fact, you do if you own anything. Right. It also includes any uh, proceeds of life insurance policies, which a lot of people don't think of. Okay. Now, a will and a trust are different, aren't they? They are. How do they differ? Well, a will is a document that must be probated, and that's one of the main issues with wills. People sometimes think that if they have a will, then everything will go really smoothly when they pass away. But then, in fact, that's a document that has to be presented to a court. Mm-hmm. Someone has to be appointed a personal representative. And once that happens, and that can take a while, then they can go in and manage any accounts or other property that you own. A trust, on the other hand, names um, successor trustees. Um, there's no court involvement needed. So that's a really convenient way of passing on assets um, smoothly when you pass away. So I guess what we're saying really is a will and a trust aren't necessarily the same, are they? No. And there are many disadvantages of doing a will. Now, I know that uh, you and Attorney Tenny Lance are doing some seminars uh, in this area coming up, uh, well, this coming week. We do. Yep. We have three seminars coming up. One's on Tuesday. Actually, we have two on Tuesday, February 24th. The first one's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Second one's at 6.30, and those are both at our office in Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. And then another one on Saturday, February 28th at 10 a.m. 
So if you'd like to sign up for any of those seminars, you can call us at 508-998-8800. You could also visit our website, lancelawinc.com. Or if you wanted to send us an email to sign up for one of those seminars, it's info at lancelawinc.com. So I suspect most people, if they want to go to one of your seminars, will probably just use the telephone. What's the phone number again? That's 508-998-8800. Now, we were just talking a little bit about the differences between wills and trusts. Um, Trusts aren't just for rich people, are they? No, not at all. Like I said before, one of the main reasons that people do trust is to avoid the whole probate process. It can be long. It can be costly. So certainly no one wants to go into court. No one wants... Uh, their loved ones to have to go into court and figure out how to manage their assets. But I guess if you do have significant assets, you also get some special tax uh, benefits from doing trust planning, don't you? Yeah. Here in Massachusetts, there's a, a $1 million estate tax exemption. So trusts are, certain trusts are drafted in a way to help manage any estate tax issues that come up when you pass away. And I guess what I've heard is that if you have more than a million dollars, for example, which I think for most people would be a definition of rich, um, then you can shelter $2 million worth of assets with a trust because you can protect two $1 million exemptions. If you're, if you're married, right. If, if you're married. Yep, good point. And so a couple living together wouldn't qualify for that, would they? No. No. All right. Well, that's interesting to know. You know, our... our Topic today really is to explain why estate planning is even more important for a woman. So I guess from what you've just described about the differences between wills and trusts, for example, if a couple had no will or if they were therefore intestate or if they had simple wills and let's say the husband died first, then the wife might have to go through probate to probate his estate. Right, exactly. The woman, the wife lives longer She's the one that's going to have to figure things out when the husband passes away. So if he, if he didn't have a will, she'd have to go into court and be appointed and go through that whole process, which, as I said, can be long and costly. So if a woman is a surviving spouse in a marriage, let's say, and I just described the situation with this 58-year-old man who just died unexpectedly, um, a trust sounds like it would make it a lot easier for her. Right, exactly. As long as the trust was funded properly, um, she would most likely be the successor trustee. She could manage any assets in that trust very easily. So she'd be totally in control, basically. Exactly, yep. Well, you know, we we really like women, at least a lot of men like women. And um, there was another Greek philosopher, whose name was Anonymous, who said, a youthful figure is what you get when you ask a woman her age. (laughs) And then Nancy Astor, a famous uh, New Yorker, said, the first time... Adam had a chance. He laid the blame on women. And then one of my other favorites uh, from John Barrymore said, the trouble with life is that there are so many beautiful women in so little time. <laughs> I think we've all heard that one before, haven't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Mike, tell us about some of the other legal documents that somebody might want to be doing if they did a trust, for example. Or what about health care and making yep. decisions? As I mentioned, you could do a healthcare proxy. That's a document that names agents. So when you pass away, those agents will essentially, I mean, when you become incapacitated, can't make decisions for yourself, those agents are the ones that are going to make those decisions for you. You have the HIPAA authorizations. HIPAA is a federal law, and hospitals are 
healthcare facilities require those documents in order to share any information about your medical history or any information related to your healthcare with anyone. Okay, so let's talk about the HIPAA document for a minute. Let's say that there's a married couple and the husband has to go into a hospital and he has not done a HIPAA form. What does that mean for his wife who wants to go and look at his medical records? I mean, the hospitals are going to be very wary of sharing any information. Um, it may come down to him having to go to, or her having to go to court to actually appoint, be appointed guardian of him. So what, so, you're, what you're really saying is that they're not supposed to show medical records even to a spouse. Right, or even talk about any condition or anything. I suspect some of them do anyway, but they're yeah. really violating the law, I guess, when they do that, aren't right. they? Right, yeah. Well, in any event, um, you know, the, the time to do planning is not the time right after one spouse has died because now the surviving spouse has many more difficult decisions to make and may have to go to court and things of that nature. They may lose out on some tax benefits. Um, you know, one of the things that I do in my side of the business, which is uh, helping people make retirement decisions and good financial decisions, is I talk to people a lot about insurance. And often, if we have a couple that has a larger life insurance policy, we'll suggest that they don't own that policy directly. And I know you do something called an irrevocable life insurance trust in your office. Right. You would. Um, that's one way of sort of removing any proceeds of a life insurance policy from your estate. Mm-hmm. So basically, you transfer the policy into the the what's called an islet, and then you have a trustee who is not you manage that policy. And essentially, because it's an irrevocable trust, um, the proceeds of the policy are removed from your estate. So possibly helping with the state taxes at some mm-hmm. point down the road. I have something like that myself, Mike. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I have an irrevocable life insurance trust. I'm not the trustee of it. I don't own the policy. The trust owns the policy of life insurance on my life. And when I pass away, the money is in the trust. It's not part of my estate. And yet my surviving spouse has full control over the trust and full control over the money. Yeah. And I think one thing to point out is you do need a certain amount of time between the time you set up the trust and when you pass away in order for this to really work. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I think, um, in fact, I've looked at that rule before. I think you have to have at least three years. So if you take an existing policy that you already have in your life and you want to put it into an irrevocable life insurance trust, it has to be done three years before you die. Exactly, yeah. Either that or they have to keep you in the refrigerator for three years <laughs> or something and then put the claim in. Well, no, we won't go there. <laughs> now, how about beneficiary forms? What do you do when uh, you have somebody in your office that may have an IRA account? Do you, do you make sure that you check out who they've properly listed their beneficiaries on their IRAs, for example? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times people will come in, a couple will come in, and they'll have each other as the beneficiaries of their uh, retirement accounts. And a lot of times I'll say to them, do you have any contingent beneficiaries? And they don't. And they look at each other and say, no, we don't. So I tell them maybe you could put your kids on there. They can do a, a stretch of the IRA at some point in the future when the husband or wife passes away. So that's one thing that we advise is to have contingent beneficiaries on those. And although we're talking primarily about couples right now, I assume you'd be saying the same kinds of things to somebody who was single. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, normally with a couple, the wife and the husband have each other first, but certainly with a single person, I'm sure they have a beneficiary, but they'd want to have more than one in case something happened to that first beneficiary. Now, I know not everybody is married, obviously. Um, 
uh, you know, we think of that sometimes, but not that's not the case. Uh, like you're not married, for I'm example. I'm not married. Right? So, no. Does that mean you're a bachelor? I am. You're a bachelor. Yeah. Does that mean you're an eligible bachelor? I'm available. You're available. Okay. <laughs> what was your number again? No, never. <laughs> Anyways, listening. Well, um, I just wrote an, uh, read an interesting quotation. A man without a woman is a bachelor. A woman without a man is a genius. <laughs> so remember that. There's a bachelor and there's a genius. <laughs> I was talking about one uh, last week. Really? 104 years old. She said the secret to her success was staying single. Well, it's probably true. You get to do exactly what you want. And eat three raw eggs a day. Oh, no, I don't like that part. <laughs> no, I think I would draw the line <laughs> on that. Well, the other thing that's really important for uh, a surviving spouse is to make sure that there's available access to cash right away, whether it's a life insurance policy or a bank account and things of that nature. But that gets into the question of how accounts can be titled as well. So again, I want to remind folks that uh, you and attorney Tenny Lance, who's not here with us this morning, are planning to do some seminars this coming week. And uh, could I just see the dates on that for a minute? I I can memorize one date because it's our anniversary. Oh, okay. So Celeste and I are going to, uh, I'm going to take her out to your seminar on the 24th. You should. Huh? You absolutely should do that. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Sounds good. <laughs> Everybody can learn something. That's Tuesday, February 24th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or Tuesday, February 24th at 6.30 at night. It lasts for about an hour and a half. And then there's one more seminar on Saturday, February 28th at 10 o'clock. And all of these are going to be where? Those will all be at our office in Dartmouth, 352 Fonts Corner Road, Right near Vanity Fair, if anyone knows where that is, sort of kitty-cornered across the street from Vanity Fair. Matter of fact, I think that Paula gives coupons for Vanity Fair, doesn't we she? We do. We have coupons every now and then. So if you like to shop there, come on in. We may have some of those for you. Okay. So, and if you'd like to make a reservation to go to one of uh, Attorney Mike Coleman's seminars with uh, Attorney Tenny Lance, give their office a call at 508-998-8800. And, you know... One last thing I'll say before we break here. The trouble with some women is that they get all excited about nothing and then marry him. <laughs> that was Cher who said that. <laughs> it sounds like Cher. On that note, we'll be right back and talk again a little <laughs> bit more goes on. <laughs> about why estate planning and financial planning is much more important for women. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Money Wise Radio Show brought to you by USA Wealth Group and one of the wisest men, Ray Lance, who brings us this program every week. It really is a wonderful public service to help you protect your assets, things that you have worked all of your life. You should protect them, and no better way than to consult with USA Wealth Group. Ray? Thank you, and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise. And as a reminder, if you would like to talk to us at any time about financial issues and retirement planning in particular, please give us a call at 508-998-8858. We've got a a whole host of free reports we'd be happy to give you. You know, I told you earlier, Phil, that I was only going to give you one Greek quotation. Well, this is not exactly, but it's similar. This is Samuel Johnson was a famous English writer. He said, a man in general is better pleased when he has a good dinner upon his table 
than his, when his wife talks Greek. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to hand that to you, and Thank you can you. you can bring that home to Celeste. Yeah, she'll love that. You can <laughs> form your own opinions. Well, making uh, estate planning easier is what attorney Mike Coleman does. And, Mike, thank you again for being with us this morning. You're getting to be a real old pro here on the radio. So the questions are, why should women be more concerned about estate planning? Well, first of all, they want to be concerned about protecting their own heirs, and they want to make sure they want to protect their assets. And then from my perspective, they want to make sure that their assets are going to last for them. And it is different for a woman than it is for a man because women tend to live longer. And we're going to talk about single women in estate planning in just a moment as well. Um, It's not sufficient really just to have everything in joint tenancy, is it? Uh, No, I don't think so. I mean, if you're talking about a bank account, for instance, if you have a joint tenant on that bank account and they were to be sued or they had to claim bankruptcy or something like that, that account would be available to any creditor. Um, so that's just one reason why we think joint tenancy is, it's one way to do things, but it's probably not the best way to do things. Well, I want to mention a couple of rules also about Social Security. You know, we've talked quite a lot on this show on MoneyWise about Social Security and proper Social Security planning. But I want to mention how critically important it is for married couples that they make the proper decisions for Social Security. And by the way, it's not as simple as saying, well, at age 62, I'm going to apply for Social Security, or at age 65 or age 66. It really has to do with look at the numbers carefully. And remember a couple of things that because women are going to live longer than men in a marriage relationship typically, then they want to have the largest amount of Social Security benefit possible. We've already mentioned in the earlier part of the show that women have a – in equality, inequality gap as far as wages are concerned. They don't make as much money. So for the most part, certainly for the generations and the baby boomers and before them, when we look at a husband and wife's Social Security accounts, in general, the husband's Social Security account is going to be greater. And here's the problem. If the husband decides that he's going to collect his Social Security at age 62 instead of waiting for a later date, then he's going to start out with a benefit that's about 75% of what he would have received if he had waited until age 66. And the problem is it's not just about him. It's also about his surviving spouse. It means when he dies first, which typically he will, his surviving widow is going to end up with a smaller benefit. So when you're thinking about Social Security, gentlemen, and when to collect, remember that if something happens to you first, you want to have the largest check available for your surviving spouse. There's also something important. We're not going to go into it in huge detail today called a spousal benefit. And what many women don't realize in a marriage situation is if your husband is at least 66 years of age and has started to collect Social Security, then you can apply for something called a spousal benefit, which depending upon your age can be as much as 50% of his benefit. So if at age 66 he was going to collect $2,000 a month and the wife is also age 66, she can not take her own Social Security. She could get one half of his benefit as a spousal benefit, $1,000. Now they've got $3,000 a month coming in. The rules are a little complicated. The other important rule I want to mention is that if you are a woman listening or know somebody who has... Uh, been in a divorce situation or you've been in a divorce situation, 
If your marriage lasted for at least 10 years, then you've got some very important rights as a divorced former spouse, especially a woman, to collect benefits off the account of your divorced ex-husband. Sort of like revenge (laughs) in a way. But the rules are there. And so if the marriage was at least 10 years, and again, let's say that both ex-husband and ex-wife are 66, the husband applies at age 66 for his benefit, Uh, the wife is entitled to get the same spousal benefit as long as they had been married 10 years before they got divorced. And if the husband had chosen to have several wives and they each were married for 10 years, all of the ex-spouses can apply for a spousal benefit. Very important benefit. For most people, the real concern is survivor benefits. And again, it really emphasizes the importance of waiting as long as you can before you apply for Social Security. We've mentioned a number of times on the show, uh, for example, that if you have an IRA account and the choice is, do I take my IRA withdrawals now or do I wait until 70 versus, well, gee, I'm going to take Social Security at age 62 and I'm going to wait until I'm 70 and a half to take the IRA. In many cases, if not most cases, you're going to be better off to do just the opposite. Let your Social Security defer because that's going to be now a higher benefit for the rest of your life and take some money out of your IRA instead for living purposes. So, We'll be happy to talk to you in much more detail about the Social Security rules, but they're critically important. It's really important that you coordinate spousal benefits when you're doing this. We don't like to see people make mistakes. If you have already started to collect, um, you can undo it, but you've only got one year to make that change. So don't claim too early and look out for spousal benefits because there are many people who don't even know they're entitled to do that and they leave that money on the table. And we don't want to ever see that happen. And then if you happen to be um, a divorced former spouse, certainly look for that benefit as well. Um, You suffered long enough while you were married, you may as well now have some benefit from it. You should quote that. I like that. (laughs) That's a nice quote. But, you know, we do think it's important even for single people to do proper estate planning, don't don't you, Mike? Absolutely. And um, even Oliver Wendell Holmes famous Supreme Court jurist said, put not your trust in money, but put your money in trust. Hmm. I think you've heard that one before. Uh, I probably have, yeah. Here, I'll give it to you. You can keep that for future reference. (laughs) Do you ever hear of Sophie Tucker? Yes, of course. Great actress and singer. Sophie Tucker said, from birth to age 18, a girl needs good parents. From age 18 to 35, she needs good looks. From age 35 to 55, she needs a good personality. And from 55 on, she needs cash. (laughs) (laughs) And boy, isn't that true. Well, you know, there are a lot of reasons where, um, uh, when it comes to estate planning, for single women, I know for a fact that we're not quite as concerned about taxes. Yes, you're concerned about avoiding probate. But what about beneficiaries? A single woman, for example, maybe it's somebody who um, had a marriage and then the husband died or they got divorced, or maybe it's a woman who never got divorced, but they have just as many concerns about doing estate planning documents as a married couple, don't they, as a married woman? Yeah, when it comes to talking about beneficiaries, like I said before, a lot of times um, spouses will have each other as beneficiaries on any IRAs or other sorts of retirement accounts, and when one passes away, 
and you don't have any contingent beneficiaries there, that can be an issue down the down the road. And sometimes people don't really, that's not the first thing on their mind, obviously, when someone passes away. Now, I've seen uh, single women over the years um, when I've been doing financial planning for them and then earlier when I was doing estate planning work. And I've seen situations in which maybe they might name nieces and nephews uh, as beneficiaries, which is a logical choice. And then they might have a charity as a contingent beneficiary after that. And then I've seen situations like that when women will sometimes get older, and guess what? The nieces and nephews don't get involved anymore. They don't come around anymore. And I've seen them change their estate plan and have much more concern about leaving benefits for charity. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a couple come into the office the other day. They had done estate planning work with us in the past, and they hadn't been in for maybe 10 years or so. And their agents had actually moved, so now they're living in different parts of the country, and they wanted to change those agents. So mm-hmm. it's another consideration. And sometimes a, a woman living alone may have pets, and I know you can do special things about taking care of animals too, can't you? Yeah, we can do what's called a pet trust. Those are legal here in Massachusetts now. So if you have a pet that you're concerned about being taken care of when you pass away, you can put a certain amount of money in trust for that pet. And your trustee can be responsible for any uh, veterinary needs or anything else with hmm. that pet. You know, one of the things I was reading recently, and occasionally articles pop up about it, is that if you have a computer and you use the Internet and you have a password, most people tend to keep those things private. Mm-hmm. So what happens when somebody dies, whether it's a single woman or a married couple, we don't often share our passwords with a spouse or with anybody else. How right. does somebody get that information? Well, you can do what's one thing that you can do is what's called a digital will. And it's sort of like a will, but it's for all your digital accounts. That would name an executor to manage those accounts if you wanted them to. Um, or, you know, sometimes I can imagine that someone would not want anyone to see their emails or any other private accounts. So you can state in your digital will that you want those accounts to be deactivated. If you have a Facebook account, maybe you don't want your Facebook account online after you pass away. So well, that's you a thought. can I state about that one. in your digital will that you want your Facebook account to be deactivated. Um, hmm. So there are lots of things that you can do with that. So you want to have a safe place to have that information. Um, I know on the financial side, I had that problem about a year and a half ago when a gentleman died and he had some financial accounts and only he knew the passcodes to get into those accounts. And it was really a problem to get into his accounts and get those assets uh, to his wife. Yeah. So you talked about pets. You can plan for pets if you have animals. Um, you can certainly do charitable planning. And I've seen many couples, um, married couples with no children, for example, sometimes, that they may want to have certain family members taken care of. But I've seen situations in which people have no close family relatives at all, and they're most concerned about charity. And we've shown them financially how they can multiply the benefit by having life insurance. But one of the things I want to say about life insurance today is, is really simply this, and it's addressed to any uh, man who might be living, and if you're married, make sure you do something to create proper estate planning documents with somebody like Attorney Mike Coleman or Attorney Tenny Lance but also make sure you've got your finances in order. You know, do you need more life insurance? Uh, do you have an income gap? Is there going to be enough income for your, your wife to survive if, if you pass away before her? And maybe you ought to have some supplementary life insurance to 
make that job a little easier, make her life a little easier. So although estate planning and financial planning is more important for women because they're going to be the survivors, it's just as important for the man to make sure in a relationship, to make sure that he's doing those kinds of things that are going to, in fact, take care of her. And again, for unmarried women, um, I've done a lot of work personally for charitable planning. Um, I've seen people who've been teachers and who've decided to leave scholarship funds in their name or some other charitable cause that they're very interested in. Don't put off that kind of a plan. Um, Golda Meir, who is uh, prime, prime, minister. prime Minister of Israel, uh, once wrote, Whether women are better than men, I cannot say, but I can say they are certainly no worse. <laughs> and she was uh, quite a character and an amazing leader for her country. Truly. And I want to read one other quote. This is from a gentleman I've never heard of before named Nestel Beauvais. Next to God, we are indebted to women, first for life itself and then for making it worth having. Ooh, I might take that one. Here, you can have this one. That's you can, a good one. You can read that to Celeste. Yes. I'll whisper this in her ear. Well, you can do that. <laughs> She'll give you a good Greek dinner. <laughs> well, you know... I think in any relationship, um, assuming that you're not single, whether you're um, in a same-sex relationship or a heterosexual relationship, you really need to be very concerned about what happens when you're gone. Is the person who survives you going to be taken care of appropriately? We do a lot for making sure people have an income plan. If one spouse dies, is there going to be enough money between Social Security and assets to generate income. Uh, We happen to do a lot of work in the area of indexed annuities, and even the federal government is now saying, maximize your Social Security, and then make sure some of your assets are in indexed annuities because they're going to keep pace with inflation and what the stock markets are doing without having any risk. But above all, have a plan. And most importantly today, we want to tell people to start out with having an estate plan Uh, whether you're single, whether you're married. If you don't have a plan, it's just chaos when somebody leaves you. And it happens quite often, very unexpectedly. And uh, we don't want that to happen to anyone. And then on my side, what I like to do is to make sure that nobody's ever going to run out of income. And if you can put those two concerns behind you, you're going to have a lot more satisfaction on the later years in life. Um, so the first step should be to come to one of our seminars. You know, that's a good recommendation. It really is. Why don't you just tell us once again what the dates are for those seminars and where uh, they're going to be? We have two on Tuesday, February 24th. One's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. One is at 6.30. Those are both at our office in Dartmouth, uh, 352 Fonts Corner Road. If you want to make a reservation, you can call us at 508-998-8800. Thank you. And I'm very impressed, ladies and gentlemen, that Mike said all of this without even looking at a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. and I forgot the one on Saturday, though. We have another one on Saturday, February 28th. Well, I'm giving that's you at, some credit here. That's at 10 a.m., again, at our office in Dartmouth, 352 Fonts Corner Road. So if you want to see what an eligible bachelor looks like, come to one of the seminars. <laughs> but I'll never say anything to embarrass you on the air, Mike. Okay. Thank I promise. You. Okay. <laughs> you know... Estate planning is important for everyone, and um, it's just 
the most important thing is don't procrastinate and, and don't put it off because, you know, life really is very much uncertain and we never know uh, when something is going to happen to us. Mike, you were talking about this DocuBank system for keeping track of passwords and key information. Um, who actually produces that or, or, or who well, it's you a, get that information from? We are members of the American Academy of Estate Planning Attorneys, mm -hmm. and as such, we can get a discounted uh, rate for this DocuBank system. So a lot of times people come into our office and they want to execute certain documents, living wills, healthcare powers of attorney, and many times they want to know what they should do with these documents after they've been executed. And normally we'll tell them, well, you could give a copy to your doctor, you can um, give a copy to your named agents. Um, but this DocuBank system actually um, provides a means for hospitals or doctors to be able to get those documents with a click of a button right away if something happens to you. Mm -hmm. So basically what happens is uh, the documents are um, saved on a website online and you get to what, what is called an emergency card that you keep with you. So um, that would be in your wallet or somewhere else. And if they see that you have one of these emergency cards, uh, they'll go online and they can get all your advanced directives right there online. Okay, that's good. You know, we started out by saying that estate planning and financial planning is even far more important for women than it is for men. 36% um, of all women 65 and older are widowed. That's almost 40%, whereas with men, only 12% of men 65 and older are, are widowed. So it really and truly is a female issue. And ladies, if, if you're married and the person in your life hasn't done what should be done to make some planning decisions and get some things organized, uh, don't feed them. <laughs> You know, threaten to uh, cut off the evening meal. There you go. And uh, tell him until he makes arrangements to go to a seminar to see Mike and Tenny that he doesn't get another meal at home. No soup for you. Because he might be happy. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, Mike, have you been involved in situations involving a new marriage where people make plans before they get married, for example? Yeah, I mean, sometimes people want to do prenuptial agreements, and I think that's a good idea if you both have assets that you want to protect. You know, we did a show just recently talking about why it's so important that couples have the money discussion to talk about what is your philosophy, who's going to make the decisions, who's going to pay the bills, the fact that you're going to each have certain allowances, and you're not going to go out and spend money without consulting or having the agreement of the other person. The decisions later in life are the decisions that you make now for what happens in the horrible situation that somebody passes away are just as important, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So um, take the time to do this planning. Uh, look into doing things that are safe and conservative uh, so you don't have to lose your money. And if you're single, you might want to think more about um, making decisions for who would receive your property such as a charity. We do a lot of work in the area of uh, charitable planning as well. But take an active role in making these plans. Second marriages are even more important, perhaps, because now they're often complicated by having children from two different marriages. Uh, sometimes they're blended together, and sometimes they're not. But if you're an unmarried woman, uh, you've never married, or you're divorced, or widowed, or something like that, make sure you do have basic estate planning documents, critically important. 
Make sure you keep your documents updated. Um, make sure all your beneficiaries are in order on all of your documents. And let somebody know where to find things. So ladies who are listening today, you have a much higher stake in what happens to your finances in the future going forward because it's the, the odds are much greater than you're going to be the one who's going to be left behind. And you want to make sure that you're going to be able to survive financially. We're happy to help you on the financial side. Attorney Michael Coleman, who's been good enough to be here today, is going to help you on the legal side in creating legal documents. And give him a call at 508-998-8800 if you would like to attend one of his seminars uh, coming up this week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to uh, make a plan and do something. We'll see you next week. And it's with great pleasure that we present this program every Sunday, 8 to 9 o'clock, USA Wealth Group's Money Wise Radio Show with Ray Lance. Until next Sunday, so long, everybody.